We are in a series called Let Go. Everybody say Let Go. It's a series about forgiveness. It's a series about grace. It's a series about giving forgiveness and releasing offense. And I believe that today, um, man, the first two services have been so powerful. And I cannot wait to see what God is going to do in this service as well. Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And he said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. God has made me forget. Verse 52, when the second son, he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Let me just stop for a second and say, I want to be a God made man. God made me. I don't want to be self-made. I don't want to be willpower made. I don't want to be ambition made, ego made. I want to be God. God made me, Joseph said. What a testimony. What a testimony for your family. God made us. What a testimony for your future. What a testimony for your business, for your career. God made me. Joseph said, God made me to forget and God made me fruitful. One chapter over, Genesis 52 verse 9, and Joseph remembered his dream. Joseph remembered his dream. I want to talk today from the subject forgiving, forgetting, fruitful. Forgiving, forgetting, fruitful. I believe God is going to speak to us in a profound way today. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your word. I thank you that by the power of your spirit, by the power of your word, you can speak right to us right where we're at. I pray for a tailor-made word, a, a perfect word, not from a perfect vessel, but from you, a perfect word for our season, a perfect word for our situation, a perfect word that would bring us into all you have for us. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, and the whole church said amen, amen, and amen, and amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Amen. So Joseph is an interesting story. God obviously gave Joseph a dream. Uh, in his teenage years, God gave him a picture, a dream, a vision of his future and of his destiny. Joseph was then hated by his brothers because of that. Uh, His brothers actually lied and told the parents that he had been murdered, but they actually uh, made some money off of him and sold him into slavery. This would lead to many years, 15 years of pain and suffering. Joseph uh, was hated. Joseph was abandoned. Joseph became a slave. He then was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He then became a prisoner, and Joseph was all alone. And yet... He overcame all of that to become the second most powerful man, literally at that time on the planet. And about 15 years later, he's now reunited with his brothers. And when they were reunited, he showed them forgiveness. Only God could do that. Now, he didn't just say, I forgive you. He fed them. He clothed them. He gave them water. He gave them necessities because the Bible said they were in a great famine at this time. So Joseph 
just didn't kill them, which would have been nice. Because he could have. He's the most powerful man besides the Pharaoh. He could have killed him. He didn't just let them go. He blessed them. How do you get to the point where you can... This is what Jesus said. Bless those who curse you. Only God can do that. Only God could empower such grace and such mercy. So here's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness literally means let go. It means to release. It means I refuse to hold on to this thing forever. What happened to me was real. What happened to me was painful. The, the experience hurt and the experience scarred me, but I cannot hold on forever. Jesus calls us to let go. Jesus calls us to release. But if, if, if you've been around for any amount of time, you know that forgiveness is hard. Can I get a witness at 12, 14 in the, it's hard. If forgiveness wasn't hard, the Bible wouldn't be full of commands to forgive. It just happened. It just happened. It just happened. Oh, we're good. We're good. We're good. Forgiveness is hard. And I think that on, on a psychological level, kind of an indescribable level, kind of an indefinable level, I think that unforgiveness kind of helps us feel like we're getting some kind of form of justice. Yeah, like I got this anger, I got this bitterness, I got this hatred, I got this frustration. And I think it's like we know better, but there's something in us that says, maybe if I get mad enough, and maybe if I can stay mad enough long enough, you'll change. Maybe if I can get mad enough, I'll get justice. Maybe if I can get mad enough and stay mad enough long enough, I'll find peace. But there is no peace in wrath. There is no peace in bitterness. There is no, there is no hope in anger. So let me say this. Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Neither of them can change our past. Neither of them. Neither of them will change our past. Neither of them do change our past. Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Neither of them have an effect on where we've been. But both of them are impacting where we're going. Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Love or hate, mercy or judgment, either way, you can't change where you've been. But it will directly affect where you're going. I want you to see forgiveness and unforgiveness as a GPS system. It's taking you somewhere. It's leading you somewhere. And you have to decide your destination. So I love what one author said, forgiveness is letting a prisoner go only to discover that prisoner was you. Here at City Light, if you've, if you've come for any amount of time or watched online, you know we talk a lot about living an open-handed life. It's kind of our expression of generosity. We just, we open. Lord, whatever you want to do, it's yes. Whatever, whatever you tell me to do, it's yes. We live an open-handed life. 
We live a life that's blessed to be a blessing where we can both receive from God and give it away. But listen to me, that is impossible. That is impossible if we're holding on to unforgiveness. How can God give me anything if my hands are already full? How can I give you anything if my hands are closed? Unforgiveness puts me in a position where I have to fend for myself. Forgiveness puts me in a position where God can give, lead, and guide as he wills. Now, as I'm talking, I feel the tension rising. I'm just self-aware enough to know I can see bubbles over everyone's heads. And here's what you're, you're, because you're going, yeah, but that's good, but I get it. But so let me, let me just, let me just answer a few really quick. And we'll answer more over the next couple of weeks. We, we ain't trying to get all fixed today. We're just, we just starting, you know what I'm saying? Just the first day, you know, we just working this thing out. Um, Forgiveness does not always lead to the restoration of a relationship. Hello. Some, some have to end. Some friendships have to end. Some relationships just have to end. They just, we're not good for each other. For, forgiveness does not always lead to restoration. Sometimes it leads to closure. But hear me, it always leads to healing. Come on, say amen to this preacher. Sometimes we're restored. Sometimes the door is closed. But God healed me in the process. God healed me. and, And I can't answer to God for you. But I need to be healed. Forgiveness is not justifying what the person has done. You're not saying, it's okay. You're not saying that. You're saying, I forgive you. Huge difference. Now, it's all good. It's not all good. But I'm trying to get good. That hurt, but I desperately need to be healed. You broke my heart, but I, but I cannot live And carry this moment of pain for the rest of my life. I can't handle what today brings me and still be carrying what yesterday gave me. Jesus said, don't worry about the future. Today has enough problems of its own. Anybody know that to be true? Yeah, yeah. 2020 has proven that a couple of hundred times so far. But not only can I not worry about my, I can't worry about my past. I only have grace for right now. Forgiveness means I'm choosing to let go. Forgiveness means I'm choosing to trust God. And forgiveness means I'm choosing to live free. Point number one. Forgetting happens when you remember. Forgetting happens when you remember. Joseph said, God has made me to forget. Um, don't, don't try to forget. 
It doesn't work. I'm just going to forgive and forget. I'm going to forgive and forget. I'm going to forgive and forget. I'm just going to forgive and forget. I'm just going to forgive and forget. You just need to forgive and forget. We just got to forgive and forget. We just got to forgive and forget. We just got to forgive. We just got to forgive and forget. Where's the wine? We just got to forgive and forget. <laughs> Rolling the joint. We just got to forgive and forget, right? We just got to. Ah, it's got to. That was too real. Tom, that was too good. Okay. Don't worry. I don't. I felt real in the, yeah, I didn't inhale. Listen, <laughs> I'm a little anxious. I've been off white sugar for eight days. I'm like, ah, okay. So it's got to forgive. Got to forgive the sugar industry. Okay. So, um, instead of trying to forget, focus on what you should remember. Instead of trying to forget, you can't. Joseph said, God did this, not me. God did this. Instead of trying to forget, I choose to focus on what I should remember. Look at Colossians 3, verse 13. I'm just going to read the B clause. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Isn't that fire? Because the apostle Paul didn't go, y'all need to forgive and forget. Get over it. Toughen up. People have gone through worse. He doesn't say that. Paul never tells us to forget. He tells us to remember. He never tells a person to forget. But in forgiveness, he always reminds us in the New Testament, in the epistles, to remember. Paul says you're going to focus on what they did to you. Or you're going to focus on what Jesus has done for you. But forgetting only happens when I remember. How do I forgive? Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Everybody say weight. And sin. Everybody say sin. Listen real quick. Uh, Weights aren't always sin, but weights always become sin. Letting go of the weight and the sin which, so, which clings so closely. Oh. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. How do I let go of the weight? How do I let go of the sin? How do I get that clingy thing off of my soul? Verse 2, I look at Jesus. The founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews warns us that there's sins, that there's weights, and they're distracting us. They're, they're stopping us from running our race. They're, they're distracting us from walking in our calling. They're stopping us from fulfilling our destiny. And these things... They cling to us. They, they get on us. They're hard to remove. But the writer says we can, we can let go of the weight. We can let go of the sin, but it's going to take looking at Jesus. Weights. I got, these, I got these weights here. Just some 35s. Light work, light work. Light work. Alan, don't judge me. 
And you know, at this moment right now, they don't, they don't feel heavy yet. They actually kind of feel good for me. And you know what? Sometimes you're carrying things and you're carrying hatred and you're carrying bitterness and you're carrying frustration and you go, this is right. And yes, it hurts. And yes, it's slowing me down. And yes, but they're wrong. And so we begin to justify living with wounds and living with trauma and living with weights in our hands that God never designed us or gave us the grace to carry. Because anything God told you to let go of, you do not have the strength to hold on to. Anything that God told you to let go of, there is not grace available to hold on to. But we hold on to it. And can I tell you, one minute later, this is getting heavy. One minute later, my fingers are hurting. One minute later, I feel back. I mean, I feel a, 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 a sweat kind of going down my back. I feel, I feel sweat on my forehead right now. And I feel, and I'm hurting. And my forearms are burning. And it would be really hard to just worship Jesus like this. That some of you are going, why don't I feel God? Why can't I sense God? Why can't I go after God? And the sweet little worship leaders go, come on, let's lift our hands and worship. And you go, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and you want to receive from God, but your hands are full. But in some way, you think the pain is hurting them. You think the weight is hurting the offender. But they don't even know you're carrying it. And instead of looking at the wounds and the scars of Jesus, we are so aware of our own. And the scariest thing about bitterness, the scariest thing about carrying weight is that we think that our pain is justifiable in that we're carrying it. But in reality, it's, it's just self-righteousness. And so we're right and they're wrong. We're the saint, they're the sinner. Boy, that feels good to let those things go. <laughs> and it feels so good to forgive. The pain felt good at first. Oh, but it got really bad really quick. Forgive, unforgiveness, it, it, it feels good at first because it's, it's my thing against you and you're wrong and I'm right and, and maybe you are. But you were never designed to carry it. So you end up focusing on you. And you never look at him. But if you could ever look at him, the first thing he would do is he would say, can you cast your cares on me? Because I care for you. Can I carry that? Because I can do, I can handle that. I can handle, I know it's heavy for you. It's too much for you. Never designed for you. Terrible that they're even in your hands. Terrible that they were even given to you. Terrible that you had to experience it. But can I take it from you? So Joseph is now face to face with his brothers after 15 years. And he looks at his brothers. Oh, I love this idea. 
He looks at his brothers. They don't recognize him. He's now a, an Egyptian. His head is shaved. He has makeup on. He's, he's in the full Egyptian royal garb. They don't know who he is, and he looks at them, and the Bible says he breaks down. He starts weeping. And the Bible does not say he remembered the pain. The Bible does not say he remembered the lying. The Bible does not say he remembered the pit. The Bible does not say he remembered the prison. The Bible says he looked at his brothers, he wept, and he remembered the dream. Joseph was only able to forget the pain because he remembered the dream. Here's what this means. It means that the memory that I allow to take up residence in my heart will become the compass that directs my future. Forgive and forget is not the way we've heard it. Because I've preached for years. You can't forgive and forget. That's, that's a lie of culture. When I talk about forgive and forget, here's what I mean. I refuse to let the pain of a moment Define the rest of my life. Forgive and forget does not mean that the memory is just erased. The memory is not erased, but the authority has been stripped. That's forgive and forget. It's not leaving my mind, but it's been uprooted from my heart. It doesn't leave my memory. But it's no longer dictating where I go. And so now I can look at you like Joseph looked at his brothers. And in the natural, I should want to kill you. But by the grace of God, I will feed you. Number two, forgiveness is a process. Oh boy. God made me to forget. This word made is a really cool word. It's a process word. It's a building word. It's like you make something. It takes time. It takes work. It, it takes will. It takes determination. I'm making something. It doesn't happen overnight. I, God has to make this in me. I have to make this. This, this is going to take determination and grit. That's why you can have a real emotional moment. Especially like in a moment like today. And you're going to go, God, I forgive. God, I let it go. God, I'm never going to be bitter again. And then you like see him on Facebook two days later and you're like, I just, oh, I just want to. I just got, oh my God. And you go, I thought I was free. Well, you're getting free, but God is making you to forget. And a lot of times we never end up forgiving because we were not committed to the process. Because we think, especially in Pentecost charismatic circles like us, we think everything is instantaneous deliverance. That's not how it works. Because while God is making you to forget, he's also making you. <laughs> so when I think of process, when I think of making, I think of Ikea. Gosh, I hate Ikea. All the men said, amen. I hate Ikea. My unforgiveness that I'm in the journey of is forgiving the creator of Ikea. 
some dude walking around Europe right now like eating Swedish meatballs. I just want to knock him out. Hate that guy. Just being honest, still forgiving. Eating little gooseberries or whatever that stuff's called. Um, Y'all know those red berries? Okay. Too much pain in here. Too much pain. Ikea. This process. See, that is in here. I asked Pastor Griffin, our kids pastor, to go pick this up for me last night. He walked into the church sheepish, sheepishly. He had a really great attitude on the text. Like, yeah, sure, I'll go pick it up. Yeah, absolutely, Pastor. Anything you need, it's an honor to serve. And then he walked in and he comes in with it. And, you know, he's just heartbroken because he thinks he's going to have to put this together. <laughs> he's like, hey, you know, he's just like sad. And I was like, no, 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 I don't need you to put it together. I just need it for the illustration. And I mean, the joy. He just, like, it was unspeakable and full of glory. It was like, he's like, oh, wow, that's great. Wow, you need anything else? I'm like. Because he knows, because he knows, because this hurts, this hurts. So, so, so God gives us a picture. God gives us a picture. And it's freedom, and it's blessing, and it's, and it's righteousness, and it's, it's restoration, and it's my family coming back together, and it's my future coming back together, and it's, and it's this picture of my future. We go, ooh, I want that, and we see it in the Word. We go, I want that, and we feel it in our spirit. I want that, and we, we hear it in our worship music, and we hear it in the preaching. We go, I want that, I want that. God, give me that, and he goes, perfect. Here you go. You go, no! I want that! And he goes, that's in this. But while I'm making you to forget, I also have to make you. And while you're in the process of forgiveness, I'm processing you. And while you're giving grace to them, I'm giving grace to change you. Because if you don't go through this, you won't be able to handle that, Joseph, because Joseph, I've got a call for you to raise up millions of people. I've got a call for you to lead Egypt. I've got a call for you to carry the weight of the moment. I've got a call, but, but you won't be able to carry that unless you go through this. So how can I trust you to lead millions if you can't forgive 12? How can I trust you to feed millions if you cannot feed your brothers? How will you take care of a nation if you can't take care of your family? I have to trust you with this in order to give you this. Because that's for everybody, but this is for you. And so God gives us this Ikea manual. God, I don't want to do this. Love my enemies. No, next. Bless those who curse. Next. <sighs> Speak life. Next. I'm the head and not the tail. Yeah, like, let's do that one. But God's, but God's doing something in me. And some of you are going, yeah, yeah, but I don't want that process. Let me just remind you, unforgiveness is a process as well. Jabin, I don't want to count the cost of forgiveness. 
But the cost of unforgiveness is way more expensive. I'm building something. I'm either building forgiveness or bitterness, grace or wrath, love or hate, freedom or bondage. I'm building something. And I'm either in the process of letting go or I'm in the process of letting that unforgiveness grow down even deeper in me. I'm either like what the apostle Paul prayed that my roots would grow down deep into the love of Jesus or I'm allowing a root of bitterness to grow in my heart. Hebrews 12, 15. So see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. You can't let it grow up because if you do, it'll cause trouble and defile many. Notice this, defile many. One of the greatest lies I believe about unforgiveness that the enemy tells God's people is that you can hate one person. That you can withhold forgiveness from one person. But the reality is, is that the root of bitterness will always defile many. If you don't forgive your father, you will hate all men. If you don't forgive your ex-wife, you'll never be able to love your current wife. If you cannot forgive that authority figure, you will hate all authority figures. If you cannot love one race, you will end up hating all people. Because it's a root of bitterness that ends up defiling many. In other words, it gets on everything. And you think, no, but I can have this secret little hatred against him or them or that group or that person or, or, or that, um, that career or that job. or that, And I can have this one little thing against that group of people. But the reality is it's going to affect every other thing. By the way, this is why you have to forgive your last church. Hey. Because y'all love me right now. Y'all love me. I feel the love. I really do. I really feel the love. You're like, man, this Jabin guy, he is great. Funny. Anointed. He's anointed. It's great. Great. Great preaching. I, I know. I feel it. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard. But if, but if you don't forgive them, I'll just be the next guy on your hit list. Jabin, you're, you're the real deal, bro. You're the real deal, bro. Not like these other guys in town. Hate to break it to you. We're both human. We're all human. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But if, if you have unresolved offense, eventually I will trigger whatever that wound is. And now the offense leaves them and now it's on me. And then you leave here and then you go to the next place. You can't allow it. That's why I'm always so encouraged. You know, you'll have people come to the church and they're like, yeah, you know, we moved on, you know, change of season. Love our last church. Love that pastor. Oh, they're great. And I'm, oh, yeah, it's great. Praise God. And we're both going, we're speaking life right now. Praise God. Yeah, you met. Oh, they're great. They're awesome. And that's healthy. 
because you don't want to start speaking that and letting that root grow. You got to speak life. You got to speak life. And by the way, y'all got to forgive them so you can receive from me. And I got to forgive people so I can love you. I don't know if y'all know this. Sheep bite. Did y'all know that? I found that out. Charbel 2020. I've, I got some bite marks. I'm like, oh, look at this. Ow! Get those teeth. Ah, bit my ankle. Where did you go? Because I offended a lot of people this year by the grace of God. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to offend anybody. I offended everybody this year. It was awesome. I figured out how to offend every liberal and every conservative in our church. It was a blessing. I was like, here's the line. I'm going to walk it. I'm not going to offend anybody. I'm going to bring everybody together. I got everybody. What? I didn't mean to. I was really trying my best. Won't happen again. Moving on. Okay, so... For real, real talk, real talk. But here's my point. I had to forgive some people this year. Some people that were lying on me and talking about me. And I had to forgive because I could not go into Sunday mad at them and take it out on you. Maybe you've been in that church service before, right? Pastor gets up, he's just ticked, he's just, Mah! and you're like, who hurt you? <laughs> we love you, that's why we're here. Could be watching football, we're here, we're trying our best, trying to. We just tithed. This is weird. You're screaming at me. She gave you money. You know, it's like. <sighs> because pastors can do it too. We have to forgive. I have to, I have to stay pure. And I have to forgive anybody who's hurt me so that I never lead you from a place of pain. I have to be in a, I have to be being made. Or I will hurt the people God has called me to bless. <sighs> lastly, lastly. Come on up, Q. Forgiveness brings fruitfulness. Forgiveness brings fruitfulness. God has caused me to forget. And verse 52, God has made me fruitful. In the land of my suffering. Oh, I love this. Joseph doesn't deny the suffering. He just knows that God's ability to make him fruitful is more powerful than the devil's ability to make him suffer. God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. I can't do anything about my past. I can't do anything about the suffering I've gone through. But I can have a fruitful future. I can have a fruitful future. Painful past, fruitful future. Terrible moments, fruitful future. They made me suffer. God has made me fruitful. They hurt me. God healed me. They broke my heart. God put it back together better than before. 
They tried to stop me. God sustained me. They threw me in a pit. God elevated me. They cursed me. God blessed me. They locked me up. God set me free. They broke me. God mended me. You can't keep a blessed man down. You can't keep a man down who has chosen to forgive, chosen to forget and says, I will be fruitful. I refuse to curse. Oh, it's a land of suffering, but I call it fruitful. I refuse to curse this moment. I refuse to curse this city. I refuse to curse 2020. I'm done calling it COVID-19. I'm going to start calling it Ephraim 20. Let's go. I'm ready for some fruit. I'm ready for fruit 21. I'm ready for God to do something amazing in my life. Yes, there's been suffering. No, I'm not denying the pain. Yes, you hurt me. Yes, you threw me in a pit. But God saw me. You stripped me of my coat, but you couldn't take my favor. I'm fruitful. Somebody help me this preacher preach a little bit. God made me fruitful. I should be dead. I should be broken. I should be suffering. But God made me fruitful. I don't know even how he did it. Oh, it's a land of suffering, but I won't curse it. I'm going to call it fruitful. Oh, 2020 has been, oh, but it's fruitful. I preached a year, a message one year ago. One year ago, I was on the stage at Elevation Church talking about what to do in a valley. There ain't no fruit on the mountaintop. There's only fruit in the valley. Boy, that's easy to preach in 2019. Savannah, that's the laugh of a, that's a 2020 laugh. (laughs) Oh, but God has put something in my spirit this year. God is making us fruitful this year. And though we do walk through the valley of suffering, we will fear no evil. Oh, because goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our lives. His rod and his staff, they're comforting me. He's anointing my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Ephraim, 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 Ephraim. See, in Bible days, they would call their child after the moment the child was born. So they should have looked at their baby boy in a land of suffering and said, we call him suffering. But instead they call him fruitful. I could only imagine 10, 12 years later, little Ephraim coming up to Joseph. Dad, why'd you call me fruitful? Was it like the best season ever? Dad, why'd you call me fruitful? Was it just like Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above all we gotta ask or thing? why'd you call me fruitful was it just and Joseph would look back at his baby boy and go baby I called you fruitful as a prophecy it was actually the darkest moment of my life we were actually 
smack dab in the middle of a seven-year famine. But in the middle of it, I chose not to call my life what I saw with these eyes. I chose like Romans 4 to speak those things that are not as though they were and I chose by faith to call it fruitful when it felt like suffering and I prophesied to the darkest moment of my life so I'm calling this year Ephraim. I'm calling 21 Ephraim. I'm declaring city lights going to bear fruit like never before. I'm declaring we're going to see things we've never seen before. I'm declaring we're going to see miracles like we've never seen before. I declare there's going to be healing. There's going to be signs, wonders, miracles like we've never seen before. There's going to be financial provision coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I declare fruitful, 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 even in the land of my suffering, fruitful. Kevin, fruitful, Kevin, fruitful. Fruitful. Going through hell. You're not going to die in that condition. I'm telling you right now. God's going to heal your body. I'm done. I'm not just going to call it suffering and pat you on the back and say, we're here for you, brother. I say fruitful, fruitful, fruitful from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Fruitful. I don't know how and I don't know how it's all going to work. I don't know. God gave me this ability to forgive and God gave me this ability to forget and God gave me this ability to be fruitful and it doesn't make sense because I should have died in the pit and I should have died on the slave block and I should have died in the prison but here I am. It wasn't easy. I just put your hands out like this to God. we've run from this box long enough we're ready to build we've been ignoring this box in the garage we've been running from this but we're ready to build We're ready for you to make us. We're ready for you to make us forget. We're ready for you to make us fruitful. We're ready for, we're ready to start the process. We're ready to open the box and start. Because we can't hold these weights any longer. We're done. They're hurting us. They're hurting our family. They're hurting our future. God, we're done. 
with your hands raised, say this with me. Say, Jesus, I trust you. I believe you are good to me. And I'm ready to start. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died for me. You took my place on the cross. You rose again on the third day. And I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. Father, I pray you help my brothers and my sisters. I pray you would help all of us to forgive, to forget, and to be fruitful. We're ready to let go. We call this moment fruitful. word, everybody. Amen. Let's thank God for his word. Let's thank God for his word.